cerebrolicin is the caviar of neuropeptides for boundless BDNF and never-ending nerve growth. Hey, I'm Jonathan with Limitless Mindset, and if that all sounds good for you, good to you, if uh, boundless BDNF and never-ending nerve growth are something that tickle your fantasy, then I've got a deep dive on this particular neurotrophic nootropic here for you. You're going to want to, if you're seriously considering using this one, you are going to want to listen to this in completion. And then it's also probably a good idea for you to read the article over there on LimitlessMindset.com, which includes all the links and references for everything that I'm talking about here. Let's dive into the meta-analysis that I've prepared. Cerebrolicin's primary clinical purpose is the treatment of neurodegenerative diseases. But as any informed biohacker knows, few drugs are designed for the specific purpose of upgrading performance in otherwise healthy people, although that may be the purpose that they can serve us. In this regard, cerebrolicin has a similar research profile to other popular smart drugs that I'm well acquainted with. So this podcast and article is going to focus on decoding what the human studies are saying about cerebrolicin and how this squares up with the anecdotal experiences of biohackers online. For more of my own uh, personal experiences, uh, thoughts, and comparisons, as per the usual, you're going to want to see the sidebar of the meta-analysis article linked there on LimitlessMindset.com. Let's talk about the scientific research on cerebrolicin first. This is a peptide-based nootropic with an impressive 165 studies referenceable on PubMed. Over 30 clinical trials have been done with cerebrolicin in the past 10 years alone, which is an appreciable amount of research. Paracetam, for comparison, has approximately the same amount of recent human trials. Its manufacturer, which is Ever Neuropharma there in Austria, published an 84-page monograph with everything you could possibly want to know about it. If you're going to inject cerebrolicin, I do recommend that you read at least the sections of that monograph that are relevant to whatever the reason is that you are injecting it. This is one that you want to do your homework on before using. Like I said, it is a neurotrophic nootropic. And I'll explain what I mean by that. 
The most significant benefit that otherwise healthy people can expect from cerebrilocin, thanks to its neurotrophic mechanism, is improved long-term memory. That sounds good, right? That is what's that is what got some of us into this whole biohacking game in the first place, right? And a European biohacker on longevity very articulately explained the connection between long-term memory and neurotrophic mechanism. It's neurotrophic mechanism. Quote, Memory is largely handled and processed at a brain structure called the hippocampus. In order for it to process data to be memorized, it has to receive data from the sensory organs, vision, hearing, touch, smell, etc. This data is transmitted along nerve fibers, which in reality are neurons connected end-to-end -end with the understanding that on end of a long extension of one neuron, the axon connects with a short extension of the next neuron, the dendrite. All these extensions originate from the body of the neuron or the brain cell. What complicates matters is that these data are in the form of electrical impulses and that the connection called a synapse is not 100%. There is a gap between the axon and the dendrite. The latter problem is solved by a substance called neurotransmitters. You've heard of those before. They are expressed at the gap called the synaptic cleft. So the signal can traverse the gap assisted by this neurotransmitter substance. Examples of neurotransmitters are acetylcholine, serotonin, etc. For a memory to be recorded as long-term memory, the signal has to pass frequently. Much like if you pass through a lawn frequently, you will leave a trail of dead grass. I remember this because uh, one time my buddy drove his car on my lawn and uh, the grass was, was quite dead in the spots where he drove the car. This requires synaptic strengthening. How this is achieved? We got to delve deeper here. Neurotransmitters work by coupling with receptors and thereby transfer the signal on, so to say, to strengthen the synaptic passing of the signal, we need more receptors and or more synapses. The formation of new synapses is called synaptogenesis. How is this achieved? Well, receptors as well as synapses being constructed mainly of protein. We would require protein synthesis, the production of protein, which is done by the cell itself 
in-house factory in the process of protein synthesis, a factor is needed. And it's called brain-derived neurotrophic factor, or BDNF for short. Got that? Have you have you wrapped your mind around uh, everything that that guy just just said? There will be a test. There will be a pop quiz coming shortly, just to make sure that you've you've committed all that to memory. And if not, then maybe a smart drug like cerebrolicin is what you need. Cerebrolicin has been called the holy grail of neuro genesis. And this is because it grows neurons in the hypothalamus along with cortical neurons. And this was called the holy grail of neurogenesis by Tim of the Two Cyborgs podcast. I've been listening to this podcast and it's, it's actually pretty good. I link to it in the article if you want to check it out. Next, let's talk about cerebrolicin versus Alzheimer's. The best study I found was a 2016 randomized double-blind clinical trial entitled, partially, Synergistic Increase in Increase of Serum BDNF in Alzheimer's Patients Treated with Cerebrolicin, and it studied 52 patients who were administered cerebrolicin for 16 weeks. And I'll quote from it, a significant increase of serum BDNF values with respect to baseline was observed at week 16 in patients treated with cerebrolicin alone or in combination with donezepil. And next, importantly, we're going to get to the part where I tell you about Boosting BDNF. This stuff is going to make you a BDNF badass, I dare say. The trial observed that BDNF increased by nearly 300% over 16 weeks of dosing, yet the BDNF returns to baseline after 12 weeks from the study, quote, these results indicate that the significant increase of circulating BDNF induced by cerebrolicin vanished 12 weeks after stopping its administration. And the study concluded, in summary, results of the present investigation indicate that one, cerebrolicin increases serum BDNF levels in Alzheimer's patients, and the combined therapy with donezepil augments and prolongs this effect. Higher BDNF levels at baseline and week 16 are associated with and predict a better cognitive improvement in ApoE4 patients treated with cerebrolicin. So that is kind of an interesting finding, isn't it? What they're saying there is that people were using the cerebrolicin and they used it for 16 weeks, which is quite a while. I'm not sure if a lot of 
biohackers are going to be able to use this stuff for 16 weeks. That's actually uh, pretty, that'd be kind of a serious uh, financial endeavor if you're going to use it that long. However, you use it for 16 weeks and then the BDNF serum levels are heightened for 12 weeks after that. So it's kind of a unique supplement. It's one of these supplements that if you use it and then you go off of it, you keep getting benefits from it for, well, 12 weeks, it sounds like. That's kind of cool. There's a couple of other supplements that are that are like this. Paracetam comes to mind. For example, as you can see here, it is an injectable neuropeptide. That's right. Here's the part about it that you may not love. You take it as a intramuscular injection. So you gotta take it as a, a jab in your body. If needles are a deal breaker for you, but you're enticed by the idea of neuropeptides, I'm gonna direct your attention to Memo Prove, which I also did a biohacker trial of. I did a video blog about it, and its active ingredient is NPEP12, which is a, a newer derivative of cerebrolicin. Next, you might like to know that this stuff is derived from pig brains. That's right, oink oink. So the peptide comes from purified porcine, porcine, that means pigs, brain proteins. And I understand this will make it a nootropic that a lot of people categorically reject. However, the risk from prion disease seems non-existent, at least based upon the research that I've done on it. There have been hundreds of meta-analysis papers published, and I read many detailed anecdotal accounts by biohackers, and I have yet to come across a concerning reported incidence of uh, infection of something like prions disease or, or, or of, of anything. And this is a pharmaceutical drug that is produced to really stringent quality standards. So I would regard it as being about as risky as, uh, well, any other pharmaceutical drug that you might do. One English biohacker explained, the standard method of sterilizing suspected prions on medical tools is hydrolysis via immersion in a dilute NaOH solution. This is how cerebrolicin is made, and it is even stored in ampules in a dilute NaOH solution too. So that's interesting. I, I would assume that the pharmaceutical company would be super meticulous about making sure that there are not 
uh, prion proteins in their medicine. That seems like a uh, that seems like a lawsuit that would just uh, that would just you know have the uh, the ancestors of the executives of the pharmaceutical company enslaved for uh, seven generations henceforth. Anyways, next versus spinal cord injury from a 2012 paper out of the University of California. Quote, cerebrilocin is a neuropeptide preparation which mimics the action of endogenous neurotrophic factors on brain protection and repair. Neuroprotective effects of cerebrilocin on experimentally induced traumatic spinal cord injury have shown that cerebrilocin prevents apoptosis of lesioned motor neurons and promotes functional recovery. And next, let's talk about cerebrilocin versus autism. Interestingly, it has been evaluated as an autism treatment a Russian clinical trial of 25 young autistic children administered it for 180 days and then it concluded, quote, significant or very significant improvement was achieved after the first cerebrilocin course in 38% of patients. After the second course, in more than 50%, and to the end of the follow-up, the 180th day, of 71% of the children had a significant or very significant improvement. There were no cases, no cases whatsoever, of deterioration during the trial. So this should be good news. This should be like really good news for the parents of autistic children. Might the cure for autism, for some at least, come at the point of a needle? Maybe. And perhaps that's the cause of autism also, right? Next, let's move on to experiential Here's what people are saying about this stuff. A European biohacker used it extensively and reported on the effects on memory. Quote, in terms of memory, recall feels improved, but mainly on medium to long-term memory. I don't detect any improvements in working memory. I have been learning JavaScript, Node.js, React.js, and Meteor, and I do feel my recall of things learned is much better. Like, I can remember the code clearer, though I don't think it works to improve your ability to pattern recognize or solve problems. So that's cool, The that effect on long-term memory on uh, semantic memory, as we might call it, that is going to make a real difference for any type of IT nerd. And to enhance working 
memory, which working memory is the executive function. Working memory is keeping track of the things that you've got right in front of you at any given moment. And for that, you're going to want to do dual and back brain training. There's some different nootropics out there that do help working memory, but frankly, dual and back brain training is the best option for enhancing working memory. Cognitive cross-training can make you one dangerous developer. Dude, I do recommend it. And of course, I have my dual and back source and my review and everything you need to know about that one linked via the article. Another biohacker from London reported there had been one thing that I have been unable to get from my current nootropic stack. The feeling of youth. I always feel slow these days compared to when I was like 18 to 20 years old. I always look back and wish I, I could get that kind of mental energy back. The way I wouldn't get tired at night and want to go home. Yeah, I, I remember it too. Back when I was 18 to 20 years old, you, you could just stay out till 7 a.m. Seven nights of the week, right? So what he reported, though, was that Sarah Burleson brought it back. This enthusiasm and mental speed and youthful positive energy and not being mentally so tired. I flew through my work, which in the past would have shattered me. I chatted up a 23-year-old young lady whilst walking home. I was mentally quick and positive. She loved it. It was like I was 20 again. I could just feel this youthful energy all over me. So it sounds like this guy has found his personal NZT48, right? And who knows, maybe you want to try Sarah Burleson. Maybe like this Londoner, it will be a uh, veritable Benjamin Button biohack for youthful vitality and day game, it sounds like. Okay, from some reviews of the neuropeptide, somebody named Aligod reported, quote, this product helped keep my mind active all day. Additionally, it resets my brain, making it emotionally balanced and stress-free. For people who don't sleep well, it will be beneficial to prevent any dementia in the future if you use it regularly. And then someone named Ronan Ridgway called it the best nootropic, hands down. He said, absolutely incredible product. I noticed a clear improvement in memory, recollect, and retention, in addition to reducing general overhead with problem solving, works great at reducing general cognitive faults, ADHD, forgetfulness, mental fatigue, etc. My experience is three to five milliliters a day 
for one week with two weeks off and stopping at three cycles. So something that a lot of the experimenters seem to agree on with it is that it delivers sustained cognitive enhancement. You do it for like one week or you do it for two weeks and then your mind and memory will stay sharp for weeks or months after that, which is pretty cool. And it also kind of, it makes it a little bit more reasonable as a investment in your mind that you could do a single course of this stuff, week, two weeks, and then go off of it for six months. And you'll have, in all likelihood, if you're like a lot of these other anecdotal uh, cases that I perused out there, you'll likely have kind of a sustained effect and you'll just have to kind of see how long that lasts me. So my go-to for this sort of thing, my recommended source is Rue Pharma based in Moscow. Or they have another operation now, I think it's called Eurochemist.com and they are based, I think, in Lithuania so that they can ship throughout the EU without having a whole lot of problems. Uh, but it's the same operation and they exclusively offer this stuff, which is the Ever Neuropharma. This is the real McCoy. And if you're gonna pick it up from Rufarma, you are going to want to use cryptocurrency. Actually, I think with probably a lot of the so a lot of the companies out there that might be selling it, cryptocurrency is advisable because if you're going to order, especially if you're in like North America or America, the United States, the USA, you do not want the authorities scrutinizing your financial transactions that might be with some company that's based in Russia or that's offshore. You, you don't really want to have records of you buying medicine from abroad. There, there's just a lot of ways that doing that sort of transaction through your legacy financial institution, that might go badly. So yeah, Rufarma is, is my go-to for this sort of thing. I have had a lot of people in my audience order different things from Rufarma, and I have only ever heard that they are pretty satisfied. I've only ever heard that they receive their packages pretty reliably from them. So that's why I recommend them for that sort of thing. I will mention the stuff is not cheap. I'll tell you what the current price is on it. This is of course subject to change. So this package that I've got is like 64 euros, okay? Not cheap. If you are a biohacker balling on a budget and you, you just have to inject neuropeptides. You just you just got a hankering for some neuropeptides in your uh, in your syringe in your body. Then you are going to want to consider Sarah Burleson's little brother, which is called Cortexin. And I also did a podcast overview on Cortexin. And then 
I'm also going to mention downloadable cerebrolicin, which may sound a little bit silly, but I looked on infopathy.com and cerebrolicin is in fact available as an infaceutical. For those of you who don't know, an infaceutical is a non-pharmacological side effect free version of a drug or supplement that takes advantage of the phenomena of water memory. So it's a derivative of a supplement or drug and it gets imprinted onto water via quantum co-location and electromagnetism using this device right here, actually. And infoceuticals typically have about one third to one half of the effect of the actual medicine being imprinted. That's right. And I did find cerebrolicin as an infoceutical there. So if you can't, some of you already have the IC device like I do, or if you just can't get access to the cerebrolicin, you might want to consider that. And I do link to that over in the article. If you're skeptical of infopathy, of infaceuticals, that's understandable. It's a game-changing application of a little-known scientific phenomena. But I would urge you to evaluate the scientific evidence for it, which is presented in my biohacker review that was entitled, Downloadable Medicine is No Longer Science Fiction. That's right. Let's talk about usage and dosage. So if you're using it as a nootropic for brain power, if you're if you don't really need it, but you're just using it because you want to have, again, more of the uh, BDNF, better memory, more brain power, more of that youthful vitality that that Londoner was talking about, 10 milliliters is fine. That seems to be pretty standard. Some people are taking as little as three milliliters. Some people are taking five milliliters just to use it as a smart drug. Because the stuff is not cheap, I would probably suggest, if you don't desperately need it, but you're just using it because you want to get that BDNF pump, you should start at the lower end of the dosage. Start with like three milliliters a day and then use that for a week and then increase that a little bit and see if it's making much of a difference. And if it's really not making much of a difference, then do it, use it economically and just stick with the lower dosage. I did also find some dosage recommendations for some of the chronic health conditions. If you're going to use it for stroke, traumatic brain injury, vascular dementia, or Alzheimer's disease, there's some more specific protocols for those, and you can actually find those in a table that I have there in my article on LimitlessMindset.com. So if you're using it to treat some sort of uh, degenerative condition or a real health condition, then go and just check that out. In the clinical trials, some of the clinical trials 
dosed up to 60 milliliters. 60 milliliters. That, that's right. Without adverse effects. That's, uh, that seems like a lot. If you're just using it as a smart drug, don't use that much. Uh, that's totally unnecessary. According to, this is an important point, according to numerous self-experimenters out there, it's easy to screw up the injection itself, which can be painful. Ideally, a medical professional should do the injection. But if you're going to DIY it, if you're going to inject the stuff in yourself, please take your time. And then you're going to watch this video that I have embedded that demonstrates the injection technique. Watch that video multiple times and then really take your time with it. Because, yeah, again, it just sounds like it's easy to screw up the injection and that's not going to kill you, but... Uh, it could be painful, you could hit a nerve, end up with some uh, dermal tissue damage. You don't, you don't, you don't want, want that. There's a guy I found, his name is Leo. He's got a cool kind of Southern European accent, or maybe he's Brazilian, I'm not sure. This guy, Leo, did an excellent video on it that I do link to, and he makes the case for injecting it in the chest, shoulders, or neck because these sites are simply closer to the brain and it is a nootropic that passes the blood-brain barrier. A lot of people, looks like they inject into like glutes, thighs, maybe uh, biceps. These are pretty common sites. But yeah, it stands to reason that if you inject it somewhere a little bit closer to your head, then you're going to get more of it going to your brain. That just makes sense. Sitting on a stool and injecting into large muscles directly below the skin is your best bet. And you want to sort of pull the skin tight over the injection site. And you also want to be especially careful with these glass ampules, especially if you're clumsy like me, you can easily cut yourself uh, a minor, minor cut as you are opening them. So yeah, you got to take care with this sort of biohack. Thankfully, there is no need to clear space in the fridge. It's fine to store these at room temperature. However, once you open it up, once you have the ampules open and you put them in a syringe, then uh, you can leave it in the refrigerator and it will go bad. Actually, to be honest, I'm a little bit confused about this. I think that I think that the bottom line is that the is that, the, is that they oxidize pretty quickly. Once you open up those ampules and they're exposed to the air, that oxidation occurs pretty quickly. So you probably need to use the stuff um, in the ampule uh, pretty shortly after opening it. So it's, uh, yeah, this is a complicated one. Next, let's mention cofactors. And the major cofactor is donezepil. And there are 10 scientific papers published on the two. 
and they appear to share synergies in boosting BDNF and neuroplasticity. I'll mention side effects here. According to the monograph and the clinical trials, the documented side effects, which are things like allergic reaction to the shot, subcutaneous tissue, irritation, gastrointestinal uh, irritation, these things are vanishingly rare. And looking at the anecdotal evidence out there, I didn't find a lot of evidence of side effects. The two cyborgs guys report infrequent minor headaches on the injection days. So ultimately, I gave this one a risk grade of B. And here's why. While not exactly well-known as a drug, it's the furthest thing from being an experimental drug. It was developed in the 1950s in Austria and has been used since in Europe. So yeah, 1950s, so it's like a 70-year-old drug. If there were risk of prions disease or other serious adverse effects, there would have already been class action lawsuits leveled at the drug. Here's from the monographs synopsis of preclinical safety data. The LD50 of the stuff is quite high. They really had to pump a lot of this stuff into rats to kill them. Chronic toxicity was hard to determine even at very high doses in animals. And there was no reproductive toxicity, mutagenicity, or carcinogenicity that was discernible in the clinical trials. However, there are two real risks with it that get it the B risk grade in my book. First of all, it's easy to hurt yourself doing the injection. Again, be careful with the needles and the glass ampules. A slip of the hand might result in a, a cut, which might result in a, uh, in a skin infection. You know, you better, you better have something like uh, colloidal silver on hand, just in case, which is great for uh, skin infections. Or actually structured silver. Structured silver is the very best. Go and check out my, my podcast on that, on that topic. Second risk. This is something that you're injecting into your body. So you want to make doubly sure that you're injecting legit pure cerebrolicin. You want to choose the branded pharmaceutical stuff and you want to pass on the cheap, cheap knockoffs. You're, I'm sure you can find companies out there on the internet, websites that are selling it for uh, cheaper than Rufarma is. I'm sure that there are um, like kind of like fly-by-night compounding laboratories out there that make peptides that make, that offer ostensible cerebrolicin, but I would demand the stuff that comes from the pharmaceutical company because, yeah, like you're injecting a derivative of a 
pig brains, right? This is this is uh, not some place to to skimp on uh, on your selection. Here's my conclusion. The bottom line on this is, as you can see, I have got Sarah Burleson. I've had it for a while, but I have actually decided against using it. I have not injected it into my uh, my glutes, my chest. I have not injected it because I don't like injecting things into my body unless I absolutely need them, which makes me a second-class global citizen these days. Now, the BDNF mechanism of it is tempting, but this is the thing. There are less invasive ways to boost BDNF, notably the nootropic CMAX, and the memory enhancement thing that it does, that's also pretty cool, but paracetam enhances long-term memory reliably. The cerebrilocin that I have here, I'm going to keep this in deep storage in my biohacker armentarium until such time as the other nootropics out there fail to meet my cognitive enhancement demands. Those are my thoughts on cerebrilocin. If you have tried it, or perhaps if you've tried other neuropeptides, drop me a comment, shoot me a message, let me know what your experiences are like. I am curious about this. I'm Jonathan with Limitless Mindset, looking forward to a continued conversation with you.